Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. We've had a lot of fun over the years for April Fools, inventing whole games, movies, pretending to be other shows, and various other japes. But this year, we decided to really just let the pros handle it. Why should we give you our brand of amateur hour jokery every year when we can just review a published April Fool's RPG supplement? It's practically guaranteed to be ten times zanier than anything we could come up with. And in that spirit of wanting you to experience the rawest chuckles the year 2000 could provide, we now present you with The Rifter, issue nine and one half. Please batten down your sides and armor up your knees. For the slaps are a coming. It's System Mastery. Hello and welcome back to System Mastery. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by my co-host, John. How are you? I'm great. Good. I'm glad to hear it. We have a big topic to discuss today. It's almost 90 pages of side-splitting hilarity. Ah, yes. <laughs> when you said we had a big topic to discuss today, I thought you meant my dick. <laughs> oh, the japery. Too soon. I think we just did that for one of the TV masters, something like 10 minutes of your dick material. <laughs> hey, man, not everyone pays $10 for that shit. <laughs> You're right. We got, we got, they do it on a tiered system. The dick jokes come down from the, from the mountain of the people who were giving us money. Look, man, to, just to like my dick, we got to spread it around. <laughs> <laughs> your dick wants to mingle amongst the common hoi polloi. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> Ooh, a man's penis. <laughs> nope. Don't like that one. Daddy, I'm a full-grown man. <laughs> I'm 35. I'm 35, and I absolutely love wieners. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep, well, I am 30 or 40 years old, and I need wieners. <laughs> oh, God. What is happening to this podcast? Uh, it's been too long. We need a, we need a hiatus, <laughs> I think. Uh, we just got back from an entire convention thing, and boy, are our brains tired. Yeah, this, this time we were out at C2E2 in Chicago. Wonderful time, wonderful city. Got to meet the beautiful Baby Project Falcon. Indeed. Just Everything a, was great. A delight. Nice to see everybody out there. A bunch of folks came out to see us for our uh, our fan meetup. That was a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. So and and the con- the convention itself was neat. We saw all kinds of great costumes and stuff. Yep, it was a fun time all around. Good to do. And we're gonna do it again in about a month and a half when we have to go out to Madison, Wisconsin. I mean, it's not we're we're not gonna do any of the shit we no, did there. No, and you can't come see us unless you're like a professional RPG developer or you're marketer in publishing. If you're in publishing, and if you are, please do come see us and hire us to write your many books. <laughs> we will write so many. I'll books. write whatever. I swear to God, we will write a Star Wars novel. <laughs> I'll I, write anything. I, I will write a Star Wars novel tomorrow if if uh, if anyone has that connection. Oh, I- you can pick the topic. I don't give a shit. I don't care about as anything. As long as it's not High Republic. That's too high profile. I want some. I want raw old bullshit. Just like I me. Want, I want to write about raw no- old bullshit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, we might be a little bit on the loopy side, and we definitely both read this book on an airplane. Yeah, look, being a bit on the loopy side is fine, because we're about to see the April Fool's Spectacular. It promises... 
zany fun, mm-hmm. silly adventures, exciting but goofy source material, but goofy, something different, satire, humor, spoof, read at your own risk. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I, I don't know if there's another book out there that does this. This might be the only published, like, I'm sure there's magazines. The Rifter is more or less a magazine just made cheap using the printing facility they already have available to them. Oh, yeah. Uh, where they make them into soft cover palladium style books. But The Rifter, if you're not familiar, is the uh, kind of quarterly, I think, supplement for palladium games yeah. in general. It was basically like palladium's attempt to make their own like dragon magazine but because theirs are like you know in a soft cover 150 page like little mini book instead of being a monthly thing i think it was like quarterly yes and obviously we have a ton of these because they just kind of pop up in our collection from here from here there several of them were actually sent to us directly by kevin simbita which would almost make me feel bad about uh, if i hadn't read so many of his books yeah if i hadn't already paid so much money to palladium (laughs) but this is also the nine and a half special uh like april fool's edition yeah well that's more of a collector's edition because they made like a tenth of them as opposed to all of the other rifter issues Mm -hmm. so this is a much more rare item than say the other one so it might be worth anything at all i don't know if rare necessarily translates to collectible or valuable in this particular circumstance but hey maybe we'll look it up during the show and and give you the current value of this book this here book it may be upwards of five of dollars yeah uh it it, uh it's certainly the only what i meant to get to earlier is it's the only april fool's published thing i'm aware of in the role-playing game sphere Yes. Which means we can't pull this again next year. No, there's, you know, in the modern era of, like, internet publishing, it would be so much easier to do. Because obviously, if you're a RPG publisher, you know, one, unless you're, you know, D&D, you probably don't put out any books ever. And the one that you did was your main book, so you would never have the possibility to do this. Yeah. And two, because you would have to actually put out a physical book, you're like, that is a waste of resources that I am not going to do as a fucking RPG publisher, because you're already on the razor's edge. Yes, absolutely. So this is such an anomaly. In terms of being published, I don't know if necessarily, like, just in terms of... uh print on demand type stuff on itch or drive through rpg if there's more but and but, that's that was the other thing i was getting to is given that this is the era of sort of self-publishing internet pdf type things it would be much easier than it used to be yes but it also is the era of quick and easy social media which means you can make a quick like tiktok or twitter post or facebook whatever and just go Hey, I'm thinking about writing Poop Farts the RPG, and then teehee, no, I'm not. And you're done, and you don't have to put any time into it. You don't have to actually write it. And that's the shit that makes people dislike April Fools, Mm -hmm. unlike our well-crafted and thought-out japeries. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still, every year when we do a hard one, I'm so sad when I log on to Twitter and everyone's like, just please don't, I am opting out of this ridiculous holiday. I do not care for Uh. jokes. If anyone does an April Fool's thing, they are obviously an enemy of all good taste. Yeah. <laughs> I think they might even be abusive in some fashion. And I'm always like, oh, I just spent like th- like six weeks working on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, much as the company is a big piece of shit, 
the normal April Fool stuff that you're like, what you want to hit is the stuff like Blizzard does. Yes. Where you're like, oh, yeah, it's not just enough to go, hey, we're doing a thing. Ha ha. No, we're not. But putting out like full trailers or, you know, like full shows like we do. Things where you're like, no, you put effort into it, and it's fun to come along on a journey. Yeah. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Is so, the- obviously, this should be good, because it's a giant fucking book of things. It's 112 pages, exactly, of what should be amazing comedy material. And I almost wanted to make this into an April Fool's episode by taking it alarmingly more seriously and doing a lot more structure than we normally do by, like, separating this into breakouts and having, like, a what-went-right section and a what-went-wrong section. Well, I mean, the initial thought I had for this of doing an April Fool's thing was not mentioning it was an April Fool's gag and saying, this is all things that they wanted you to do seriously. Yeah, if you did that, then people wouldn't know whether... It would be too dry. Exactly. It would be too... No one would know. They'd be like, was that supposed to have been an April Fool's? By the way, I checked on on Amazon. Some brave souls are trying to claim 35 for this Uh... thing, but you can get it for nine. Well... So, so there you go. It's probably more collectible than some of the... I'll, I'll check some of the other issues and see if there's one that's more collectible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would assume outside of maybe Rifter number one, all of the others have got to be just nothing. Yeah, 650 for the Rifts, uh, Rifter number six. Let's check Rifter one. Anyway, um, let's get right down to it. This is a... Just like any other Rifter, it's a collection of bits of, of useful game stuff for various Palladium games. So you have a little bit of Heroes Unlimited, you have a little Ninjas and Super Spies, maybe there's some Nightbane, definitely there's going to be some Rifts, that's their bu- that's their bread and butter. Yeah, basically every Rifter magazine was like, here's some stuff for Rifts and Heroes Unlimited, and maybe if someone had a good idea, we've got an article for something that came out recently. So it'll be like, hey, here's a systems failure article, and you're like, wow, really? All right. Yeah, there's only going to be one. Often these will also have some new art in them, uh, although a lot of them tend to have poser covers, I guess because the, you know... Well, a lot of it is fan art. It's fan art, yes. So there's a lot of fan art. There's a lot of... This this book in particular has a lot of my personal favorite rifts and palladium artist in general, Ramon Perez. Great. Saw him at the convention. We did. And every time I see him, I tell him I loved him from the way back in the palladium days, and he's always like, what? Why? (laughs) Don't. (laughs) You know, I write for, I I draw for like DC and Marvel and stuff, and I'm like, yep, I like Heroes Unlimited. Yeah. Oh, that's great, but I like this. (laughs) I like the old stuff. I like Spider Skull Walkers. (laughs) He didn't draw those. That was all like, bro. (laughs) He mostly drew cool superheroes. I mean, and that comic strip, that book that they riffs did for a while. He definitely did draw Spider Skull Walker at some point. Did he do Coalition War campaign stuff? I don't remember. I'll have to look into that. Anyway, uh, I do kind of want to break this book down by what works and what doesn't. Really? You don't want to just go in in the order they put it in? Yeah, because in the order they put them in there, it's what works and then a lot of what doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, the problem with this is the first gag, you're like, okay, all right, that's a standard kind of joke. I get that. And Mm -hmm. then they do one very decent, like oh, this is sort of tongue-in-cheek, it's self-aware, a decent gag, and then the rest of it is just crap that they just probably tried to put elsewhere and got rejected before this. Yeah, I would say for the most... uh, There's a few in there that are custom-written for this that are fairly obvious, but whether or not they are funny or or kind of like outside the regular scope of what you could expect from Palladium... Is objective, and we know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, basically, we read it we were sitting near each other on an airplane and at one point I I went over to talk to John and I was like, does it strike you that 
about past page 25 or so, this is all just stuff that was written and then sort of rejected and put in a folder somewhere in case they ever made a funny one. Yeah, and it's very, very much that feel. Like, I don't care if everything in this was written specifically for this, and that isn't the case. A lot of it feels like, oh, we had this idea, and it was just a little too weird to go into the main book, Mm -hmm. but we'll put it in here. Yeah. So uh, we start out with... First of all, there's there's a, an announcement that Palladium has been taken over, and this is a a classic old school, nice times, old Hollywood, funny names joke. Yeah, because the Simbitas have been replaced by the Ferkelbergers. That's right. Palladium Games has been sold to the Ferkelberger family. So every byline on every article in this issue will be something Ferkelberger. Yeah, and they all have hilarious first names like Paul and Janice and Percy and Percy Ferkelberger. So so that's the first bit. They they announced that the Ferkelbergers are taking over, that they don't have that much of a plan to change things because obviously everything that Palladium does is already so great and awesome. So just sit back and enjoy uh, a continuation of the wonderful, proud tradition of Palladium. And this actually does segue nicely into the one kind of really good section of this book. Yeah, and it's the one that at least somewhat ties into that first premise because... The whole idea was like, oh, the Ferkelbergers are taking over, and they're like, rest assured, we won't change anything, except for this list of various things we don't like. Yes. And so, the joke of like, ah, we're gonna try and improve on this, and then fucking it up, is where they start, and then immediately abandon that, even though they keep the Ferkelberger name. Which is weird, because it's it's a really good premise, and it's exactly what you would have wanted from this book. Like... I'm going to go ahead and say it. If you've read Palladium stuff, if you've read Riffs or Beyond the Supernatural or whatever, then you are already intimately familiar with the various foibles and shortcomings that make up the Palladium line. Yes. You know that all the numbers don't make any fucking sense, that it's the universe where you have to roll a D6 and add it to everything because nothing can ever just be static. It always has to be a little random. Yeah. And the first thing outside of that information, which is whatever haha funny names which great i don't care at least it's attempting a joke it's something and it sets up the premise yeah we we dive into exactly what i would have wanted to see most of this book be which is the introduction of giga damage yes and the first and at least with that that was like the only one the intro and this first bit Mm -hmm. was the only stuff written by kevin yes oh there's also I'm guessing he wrote that bit about how he's technically every RPG figure. Well, yes, that's yeah. part of the it's intro. Part of, it's part of the intro, and it, but it's between the two, but we'll get to it later, because it's a better segue to go into Giga Damage. Yeah, and Giga Damage is the Ferkelberger attempt where they're like, hey, I'm a power gamer, and I play Rifts and Palladium games, but we've all thought, hey, it's not fair that SDC is almost able to be the same as Mega Damage if you can do 100 of it. So that's why I put out Giga Damage. So Giga Damage is, and go through the mechanics in as dry and unfunny of a manner as possible for some reason, uh, where MDC rep- one MDC represents 100 SDC, or structural damage capacity points. A Giga Damage represents 1 million. 1 million MDC. Yes, 1 million MDC and therefore 100 million SDC. And, although it represents that, it's not actually a relatively important thing that it represents that, because 
If it hits anything that's made of MDC or SDC, it'll instantly vaporize it. There is a joke for the two levels in terms of what it does to them. And uh, where you can normally damage an MDC thing with an SDC weapon, if it does enough to beat 100, uh, you can't damage giga damage stuff with with mega damage equipment at all, ever, for any reason. Yeah. And then, of course, the other bit in there is that they're like, oh, we just have giga damage weapons because we don't care about giga damage armor. We want fights to be over as fast as possible. Yes. Because clearly only the PCs will have access to giga damage stuff and we want them to just be able to murder gods immediately. Yeah. And again, a very good joke on the whole power gaming, always trying to get the most damage, the first weapon they put down is the Giga Damage Pistol, which is a, does a D4 Giga Damage. Yeah, the Giga Derringer. And the note from the author is like, I don't even know why this is here. They forced me to put this there. No one would use this weapon. And I'm like, that's a good self-aware thing of, yeah, you make weapons in your system and it's like, here's a pistol, it does a D4. Here's a different pistol, it does 2D6. Why would you ever have the other one? Maybe it's got a slight bonus to being concealed. It doesn't. All the pistols are the same. The only things that matter are their range, their clip size, and how much damage they do. And of those three things, the only one that matters is how much damage it does. Yeah, because let me tell you, no one gives a fuck about the range on there, uh -huh. and the clip, if your GM bothers to remember that, maybe it will matter. But otherwise, this is actually a really good send-up of any given Rift's supplement book, because they all have a new company that makes 12 new laser things, Yep. and every time they're like, here's, here's the six bad ones and the six okay ones and the one one you give a shit about. You got the, 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 the micro mini, the Naruni brand hand cannon micro pistol that does a D3 damage. The, the reasonable pistol that does a D10. Except here we're packing in a bunch more, you know, reasonably good gags about power gaming mostly. Yeah. And it is slightly on the late end of this, but that's also a decent send up of a lot of the Palladium fan sites who were like, here's my own take on whatever would always have shit that's like, oh, I made my own version of a Glitter Boy, but it's got 10,000 MDC, and it has a gun that can shoot a building into space. And you're like, all right, sure. I've always wondered, because I always thought the Glitter Boy was kind of a dumb thing in the first book anyway, since it was clearly very, very, very powerful. And then they, they tried to balance that by saying, like, look, it's important to get the Glitter Boy pilot out of that thing and then have it get stolen from him uh. by monkeys or something. Just have someone take it. Or just have him have whole adventures where he can't use it. And I'm like, that's not balanced. That's just giving someone a toy and then saying they can't use it. Ah. But um, when they finally came out with, with more Glitter Boys, which they did in Mutants in Orbit or something like that. Uh, they did that. And then, of course, the NGR and Triax book came out with the German versions of them. Yes, but none of them were as good as the original. Yes, because the whole point was to be like, oops, we fucked yeah, up on those. Exactly. Let's make less ridiculous ones. I was just wondering if there was ever like some message board somewhere where people were like, the Glitter Boy 3 is like a space thing with half the MDC? Pass. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the first thing I ever played in Rifts was from a site that made up their own OCC. And I was like, oh, when I eventually went and compared this to, say, I was playing a Zapper before a Zapper existed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I compared it to the Burster, the fire version. I was like, oh, I just do more damage and am better than a burster all right i just do more and I, am better i'm just better than a burster but that's okay because one of the other players is a fucking hatchling dragon so who gives a shit yeah it's fine no one cares yeah 
But yeah, the uh, the guns go through increasingly uh, interesting or, or jokey versions of uh, of ridiculous to the point where you start getting to the machine gun giga damage weapons that do double burst full autos. Where it's like, hey, go read the page in, in the Riffs book about how double how bursting full auto fire works. It does all that twice every melee round. Yeah, the other recurring joke is that each of these weapons has a listed weight value. Oh yeah, and they're always like. Oh, this one is a giant rocket launcher that's, you know, twice the size of you. It's six pounds because it's heavy. It's six pounds because the missiles are going to add extra weight. Yeah. And then, like, apologizing as they get bigger, where you're carrying, like, the Gigasaurus Rex multiple back shoulder cannon strap launcher. It's like, sorry, this is eight pounds. Guys, I'm sorry. They made me make it eight pounds. Yeah. And again, it's a good joke about, like, no one reads that shit, so it never matters. It's fun it's a yeah. fun way to point that out and it just doesn't matter in 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 rifts games generally at all whether or not stuff is heavy no one is ever bothered with the encumbrance rules and rifts no no one cares if like ooh, i got a rifle but am i gonna pick the one that does 6d6 but weighs seven pounds or 4d6 and weighs five pounds no no one cares those two pounds don't do anything you pick the more damaging one yeah and they also just do increasingly ridiculous damage to the point where you get one it's again is the gigasaurus rex back cannon that does 3d6 times 50,000 giga damage yes and then when this is all over this is all pretty good this is fun and it, also this section has custom art which is nice to see yes like the next section just has some straight up old ramon perez heroes unlimited art uh but this section has its own fun custom art where every character has the huge gun, and also they have a pet that has a, their own little huge gun. Yeah. And they're all silly pets. Like, there's a dude with a turtle that's yeah. just got a cannon mounted on it. Uh, at the end of the gun section, there is a fun QA about what Giga Damage does. And it mostly boils down to whatever Ferkelberger it is who wrote this article bragging about what his games did. Yes. And it's fun. It's good shit. It's, again, it, it is a knowing, self look or self-reflective send-up of Palladium stuff. Yeah, it is... It's fun because it's like, oh, we know what we're doing, what we're making fun of. We know the foibles that we have. Plus, we're poking fun at those people who are power gamers and are like, you know, a D6 times 10 mega damage is never enough. I would never use something so weak. Like, that's a good place to start from. Yes. Uh, So the QA is fun as well because it's like, hey, what happens? This thing, if it shoots anything that's SDC... Not only does it just immediately vaporize it, it removes it from existence and history. Yes. That's a fun gag. Also, if you shoot the air with it, you'll open a rift to wherever you want. And he just says, yeah, you should just use that to go kill everybody who matters in every one of the important game settings. Oh, you should use this to open up a rift so you can get your own dimensional pets without having to go into magic, which is for nerds and losers. Yes. What happens if you shoot a Cosmo Knight with it? They just vaporize. It's fine. Everyone always thought those guys were too powerful anyway. You should go kill them all. The problem with killing them all is that they're really far away in the Anvil Galaxy. Luckily, you could just shoot nothing and open a rift to there and kill all of them. Yeah, the... There's a... Q&A as well of just here are like often asked questions for things in the game, which is odd because it's like actual questions that have been asked, you know, like the Al Gore giants being named after Al Gore. And he's like, no, these came out before anyone who knew who Al Gore was. No, there's there's two QA sections. One of them is just about these guns and it's fun and funny and written. And then the very next section is just wacky QA uh, it's it's like smart answers to maybe not so smart questions or something, and it's just sort of actual QA questions that they got 
that they got sort of insulty answers to. And that's all it is. Yeah, it's people asking, I assume this is just Kevin being like, people have asked me what I think are dumb questions, and I'm going to give dumb answers in response. Yes, it's just that. But before we do that, I want I, I don't want to forget the little section the, that's the Kevin's editorial corner for this, where he reveals at long last that he's every industry figure he likes. Yes. So he's like, look, I people have been joking about it for years, but it's finally time for me to come clean. Yes, I am also Steve Jackson. Yeah. And then it turns out I'm also every other game designer. Yeah. Uh, including some people who I don't even know if they're game designers or not. Like, he claims to be uh, Gygax. He says he, he, he at least was Gygax for a while until he stopped being him for some reason around 1994. Uh, it, it, or was it 2004? Shit, I don't remember when Gygax died now. Well, no, 2000. 2000 is when this came out. Yeah, so. 2004. Uh, so then, then, yeah, maybe he didn't do that. But also Jolly Blackburn, who I believe is the author of Knights of the Dinner Table. You know that comic strip about the well, yeah. D&D but he game? just says it. He was also that artist because he says oh, okay. people have said our art style looks alike, and I thought for sure the ghost would be given up then. <laughs> yeah, it definitely Riff's art style does look an awful lot like Knights of the Dinner Table. Yeah, for sure. When you see a Ugly. gun that's made out of squares, you're like, <laughs> that reminds me of Knights of the Dinner Table, a, an incredibly wobbly drawn thing. <laughs> so. I liked that bit, and it was fun. Uh, so, plus, it was in spirit. Yes. It was, oh, someone has ever said, oh, I bet these are the same guys because they have whatever in common, and then he just leaned into it. And he's like, and this is why I sold to the Ferkelbergers, because Palladium is just one of the 20 different gaming companies I own. But yeah, the this, the problem with this, this one QA section is you're like, okay, I get it. You're going to do, like, wacky QA, or maybe you're going to put in obvious questions that people are always asking and then come up with wacky answers to them, right? That'd be kind of a fun way to deal with rifts. If someone's like, hey, uh, what happens if uh, if a rift opens to modern times? Can a celebrity come through or something? And he's got like a wacky fun answer. Instead, it's like he's just airing grievances. No, it literally is just people have asked me these questions and I don't like the questions. Yeah, like one of them is, hey, I- I'm a huge fan. Me and my kids are huge fans of Pokemon. Can you help us introduce some Pokemon to our game? And he makes this brief point where he's like, well, obviously you could put Pokemon in the game because it's a universal game system. That said, I don't own Pokemon and I'm not willing to stat them out for you. Yeah. And I mean, at least a couple of them, again, had sort of a fun thing when it went back to that authorial voice of the Ferkelbergers where someone was like, hey, I have a character and they're normally... Uh, a superhero, but then they went and got, like, experimented on and got a robot, and they did, like, combat training. So now they have four different, uh, like, premises for their hero, and they've got powers from all four, and it has a, no, that's not how this game works. And then the editorial note of, damn, that's awesome. I never thought of doing that. Yeah. I should do that in my game. The other one is when someone says, oh, help, I, I, I taught my girlfriend to play role-playing games, and the first thing she did was kill Aaron Tarn, major NPC of Rifts. Yeah, I let her play Aaron Tarn, and then she just got herself killed because she was angry. What do I do now? And and Simbita's like, you can't kill Aaron Tarn. She's too important to the game setting. It's okay. Well, she's really good friends with a dragon she met during the Rifts Africa battle against the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. That, that, that dragon turns out to actually be Isis, the goddess so that she can just bring her back to life and then your campaign will be fine, okay? And then a Ferkelberger pops up and is like, no, that's just fucking rad. Kill whoever, who cares? Also, never let ladies into your game. Yeah. You should have known better from the start. And I'm like, again, having that, like, we're making fun of a certain type of shitty gamer, 
good bit. Yeah, but it's weird because it's interspersed with just him just having these dry, slightly grumpy answers to <laughs> to silly, obviously silly questions. Like one of them is, hey, what happens if I cast the biomancy spell shrink plant on the millennium trees from Rifts England? Which, you know, we reviewed Rifts England a million years ago if you want to go back and find it. But uh, they're just these mile t- tall trees that are intelligent and very magical and powerful. And they house a whole bunch of people there because like an acorn is the size of a house. Yes. And and his response isn't anything wacky. He's just like uh, the spell a shrink plant obviously only would work on normal plants. And a millennium tree is not a normal plant, is it? Also, regarding your question as to what would happen to the people inside it, obviously they would be hurt or damaged. The spell is not called uh, shrink plants, squirrels, and people. It's merely called shrink plants. Yeah. It's just like, man, you started off strong and then immediately lost the thread of what you were trying to do because you were grumpy. And then the rest of the book did not even bother looking at the thread. What, What makes it funny to me is that if you did the whole thing in that tone, like just shallowly, grumpily, pedantic about every one of your answers, and the, the questions were all just incredibly dubious and wacky, then sure, fine, that's a bit in and of itself. But the fact that they interspersed it with those Fergalberger bits and the occasional parts where, where Simbita tries to be funny himself, and I'm like, this is, this is unfocused. It's a weird scatter choice. Shot. Yeah, it's a weird choice. I, d- I don't hate it, because some of these are interesting QAs. Notably, one of them answered a question about, about Palladium stuff for me that I have always wondered, mm-hmm. uh, which was... One of our players is incredibly lucky, took the boxing uh, physical skill, and it says you get a knockout blow when you hit someone and you roll a 20. And he just keeps rolling fucking 20s, and he keeps knocking everybody unconscious. Yeah, he's knocked a dragon out. He's and, knocked out, like, you know, Ares. mechs. Yeah, just a bunch of super powerful shit. And again, he just gets a dry-ass answer. He's just like, oh, well, here's some house rules to stop that from happening. Obviously, if you have to punch an air, like the god Ares in the fucking ankle because you're 50 feet tall and you're 6 feet tall, you can't knock him unconscious with an ankle strike. Also, you can't knock unconscious a robot because it's not conscious in the first place. But to me, it answered my big question, which is, I always thought those those uh, special powers you got in the hand-to-hand and boxing thing were you had to declare the punch and then get that super lucky roll, which makes them useless. Yeah. And no, apparently it's just if you have boxing, anytime you roll a 20, not only do you get a critical hit palladium style anyway, you also knock that thing unconscious. Hell yeah, you do. So that's neat. That was a new thing for me to learn. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was excited. Well, great. Yeah. Thanks, Uh, the Rifter nine and a half. Also, don't want to uh, completely gloss over the fact that this is the story of a girl, Wayne Smith's Rifter nine and a half. And there is a big thing at the beginning where it is. Wayne Smith, who's like, hey, I'm the editor, and I just want everyone to know that if you want your stuff to be in the Rifter, send me $200, because I'm the cool badass of this company, and I'm I'm trying to get as much money and recognition as I can, and the joke of this is that Wayne Smith is the editor of the Rifter, and all of this was done without his knowledge, but they did an entire article calling him a piece of shit that wants all of your money, and I'm like, oh ho, what a fun joke. There's also an ep- uh, there's also a whole uh, adventure in here where, where Wayne Smith gets kid gets statted out as a person, uh, and they give him terrible stats, and then he gets kidnapped by just sort of generic supervillains that are fanboys. The whole point yeah. of the adventure is oh, they love Wayne Smith so much because they think he's so creative. Yeah. And they want him to run all of their games for him. So what's the capstone, though? That this is not the biggest Simbita book ever, that it's Wayne Smith's Rifter 9.5. 
what, what's the cap? What's the capper to that joke that they that they uh, decided to use this mostly to make fun of him? Oh, uh, he wasn't involved in it, uh-huh. and he didn't know it was there, uh-huh. and he had only been working there for six months at the time this came out. <laughs> and I haven't looked it up, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way that he was there for much longer. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know. Given what I know about the working at Palladium turnover rate... Probably not. You never know. He might be one of the lifers. A couple folks, for whatever reason, just happen to click with that weird aesthetic uh, and just stay there forever and are just like still friends with, the, with with everybody on that staff. No one I've personally met, but some of them, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the whole gag is that this is making, this is just leaning into making fun of Wayne Smith, the editor of their, their, uh, their gaming magazine, who had barely ever been there and had no idea this was coming. Hmm. There's even a, a bit in here where they say that originally they were planning to include a baby picture of him in the book and make fun of it, but that would have required them contacting his parents and they were afraid his parents would, would clue him into what was happening. Ah, that's great. So, uh. So yeah, it's just it, it's just an interesting book, but this is a good point to make the switch. Yeah. We've discussed the things in this game that are good. Yeah, the first 15 pages. <laughs> so now it's time to discuss the rest of the story. The stuff in here that's just in here. Oh. Good so we'll God. start with the next thing that's in the book, which is the Wayne Smith gets kidnapped adventure. Yes. So yeah, the 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 gag element of this, the the, the thing about this that's meant to be super funny, is that Wayne Smith has been kidnapped by fans of his. And who are the fans of his? They're like a gang of somewhat super-powered, uh, more or less low-level gang thugs. Yeah, but they all just love Wayne Smith and know who he is mm-hmm. and think he's great and want him to run all of their games. So he doesn't even care if he's rescued because he's in the lap of luxury and they'll Go get him whatever he wants as long as he keeps running r- games for him. That's the joke. We're done. That's the whole joke. That's the they whole joke. They stat out the the guys that kidnapped him. For the next seven pages, we get full stat blocks for all five of the main villains that kidnapped him. But none of them are jokes. It's just like, here's this guy. He, he's got a major psionic character. He has these powers. These are his stats. He likes this gang, and he likes to play games. Actually, that's the thing. When they came to the description of all the various gang members, none of them were described as particularly liking RPGs. Yeah, yeah. It was like they had already made this gang and just went, oh, I guess we can just have them have kidnapped Wayne Smith then. (laughs) That's all it is. And so you've got, like, two of them are just hardware experts. If you remember your Heroes Unlimited, hardware experts come in a couple different flavors, but they're basically just skill classes. Yeah. Usually they get like one super gun or one super car or something at the start. So one of our two hardware experts is a computer expert. So she doesn't even have anything cool. Uh, she's just an expert at computers and hacking and is already kind of rich and hiding that from the rest of the group. Yeah. One of them, as John just mentioned, is a dude who's just a psychic and he le- he re- leads the gang. There is a brother and sister pair uh, who mark the standard tradition of all the women in Palladium being ultra hot with super high p- uh, physical beauty scores. Yeah. Because that's rad if they have big boobs. <laughs> yeah. And they're a fire manipulator and an earth manipulator. Yeah, and the the earth manipulating brother is extremely protective of his fire manipulating sister. Ooh, which, I just looked up and Wayne Smith is still at Palladium. I was going to say. Holy shit. <laughs> He's been there for like 25 years. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Some, fo- some folks just click. 
Yep. All right. Great. That's my fault for thinking you wouldn't be. The few people I've ever spoken to who worked at Palladium did not work there for very long. Except, well, I mean, I've talked to some beta, so beyond him. No, it's, that's generally my takeaway from Palladium is either you are there very briefly Mm. or you are there forever. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the last person in the group is just another hardware expert. This one's just a gadget making guy. He doesn't have anything interesting, though. Nope. And his whole deal is just that he has a crush on the other hardware maker. Great. Done. Done. Nothing to do with gaming or games or anything. Yeah, if you want to go rescue, you gotta you got to fight these five very generic... This is pretty much just what you'd find if you were to purchase, for example, Villains Unlimited, the old Heroes Unlimited first edition source book. This is just what you would find in a normal Rifter. Rifter. Yeah, exactly. Just stats for some NPCs. Yeah, it's just, hey, here's a group that maybe your guys will fight. Maybe they kidnapped someone, except now it's like, haha, they kidnapped someone at our company. That's the joke. Mm-hmm. And, and that is actually the joke. And beyond that, we move, this is kind of the Heroes Unlimited core of this book. Oh, there's a lot of Heroes Unlimited yeah, in this. It's, it's got more of that than most other things. Because after that, we move into a new superpower. There's just one. And it's food manipulation. Yeah, it's, now it's, it's one food or one power category and a ton of different powers yes well the way it works is if you take it's a minor superpower and or you, a major uh, it can't but be they major. don't give you uh a list of majors but they have some npcs with majors yes if you take it as a minor power which is what's basically put there on offer to player characters who would like to be a wacky one with food manipulation powers there's a list of 20 things and you can choose two of them for one minor superpower and they include things like they're mostly food types so there'll be things like lettuce you can coat yourself in lettuce. It sticks to you automatically. Each individual leaf of lettuce will cover a small part of your body. If you get enough lettuce on you, you can hide in natural vegetation as if you had a camouflage skill. Yeah, and all of this is based on eating whatever the thing is first before you can use the power. Yeah, or in some cases, like lettuce, just peeling it off and sticking it to you. Um, Although then- even then, all of the powers are still like, no, eat this thing and then you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, There are a few that are a, a little more generic like one of them is the ability to just be a really good cook and only remember things if they're related to food and another one is any food you have on you never goes bad yeah instead of it being like oh it's a food power like i have egg powers i can throw eggs at people if i eat eggs and then i get super egg throwing instead it's just you get to keep food fresh as one of your options and that's weird and it's you know i would almost call this a fun send up of if if i had not found this as an official palladium thing where it just feels like an official palladium thing this would be a very fun send up of palladium because some of them are aggressively statted out to the point of just being silly like garlic is almost a page by itself and it's about like the ability to breathe fire but in very specific ranges that go up per character level and in very specific damage increments and you have to eat a certain amount of garlic but then onion is just like if you eat onion you can track. You can emit a smell that lets you track someone who you ate onion near. Yeah. How you breathe on them and now they stink and you can follow them. Yeah, and perfectly. And there's no r- numbers or anything, which is weird because I would have been like, oh, if you you're trying to do that, just make it a you eat onion and you can breathe a stinking cloud out. And you're like, okay, great, that would be fine. But the fact that they went with like, oh, you ate a smelly thing, so now you make someone else smelly and can track them by smell. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's. A weird way to go with it. <laughs> it's very silly. Ketchup is probably the fun, the only one I found particularly fun because it's just you can. It, it, they they use the sound joke. You yes. can catch up with someone. Your speed becomes higher while their speed becomes slower, provided you squirt ketchup on the ground and use it to skate at them. Yeah, 
I was like, oh, yeah, it's ketchup. I, that's fine. You can also throw super pies, flick oatmeal at people. It's just a bunch of stuff. And then we enter the big block of NPCs for Heroes Unlimited. Well, first we get our three food-related NPCs. Gonna say, the, the first three are food-related. You've got uh, the, the, the... Frank and Beans. Frank and Beans. One of them farts and the other one throws sausage. Yep. So Frank has super uh, sausage powers. So he can use sausages as weapons like nunchucks. And also he can throw them like daggers and all sorts of sausage-related things. And then... Some guy Beans is his last name. Elroy Beans. Elroy Beans. He can fart, and when he farts, he picks what type of fart it is. He has five farts. The first four are just, it smells bad, and maybe you don't want to be here. And then the last one does a small amount of damage. Oh, honestly, they're all fucking amazingly good. Yeah. Because I'm like, all of them go, oh, if you're in the cloud where it smells, outside of like the first one out of five. The stinker. Then it's like, yeah, you're at like a minus five to do anything. If you stay near here, you have to beat a horror factor 12 to not just run away. And the later ones are, no, if you stay in the cloud, then every round you take like a D6 damage. Yeah. And then the last guy, I think his name is just like Dragon Breath. Pasta Man. Oh, oh, sorry. We have Pasta Man. Oh, then there's more than three. The Italian American. Yes. The Pasta Man who has pasta control. He can use it as like super strong whips and throw it at people and so on. Yeah. And it can be super strong. Uh, sticky, so he can use yeah. it as a net. A lot of these guys basically have a power of they do X amount of damage, and as long as they're holding this kind of food, it turns into whatever kind of weapon they need, but if they put it down, it turns back into the food. Yes. So that's, that's Pasta Man is the same thing as that. Uh, but there is also uh, Chili Eating Guy. Yeah, Dragon Breath. Dragon Breath. He has the power where he can eat four kinds of, ch- of secret African chilies. Uh, no, they're regular chilies. No, he, he has a he has a African artifact in his collection because he's like a professor or something. And uh, if he he doesn't know it, but it's giving him superpowers based on what chilies he eats. Yeah, so he can eat like a a green bell pepper and it heals him, and he can eat like a regular little chili and it gives him the ability to have a healing breath as well to yeah. someone else. He can breathe out an insanity horror breath with one of them, and then the last one is just fire that does damage. And then he can, if he wants to, combine all the chilies into a hot sauce, and then he gets the effects of all of them for a little while. Yes. And he is a super villain. The other ones have been, I believe, I actually think Frank and Beans are villains too. No, they're all are heroes. heroes? Oh, no, no. Dragon Breath is a villain. No, I know. I'm saying all no. the other ones are Oh, okay, are yeah. Dragon Breath is a, is a villain. He's supposed to be a reedy little professor man who, who pads his costume heavily so no one notices that he's not very strong. Yes. But he is just a, like a rich professor who can breathe chili fumes. And then, when we're done with our food, guys, it's time for our, a bunch of, this is where you really start to feel like like, this isn't, this is just stuff you had. Yeah, because we start hitting, uh, like, NPCs that are no longer, like, jokes related to anything, and occasionally not even jokes. Yes. Because, at least with the ones we get after food, they're like, oh, here are examples of, you could make your own major versions of food powers. So, you know, all of the sample characters, they're like, oh, this is the chili major food power or the beans major food power. Yeah. Then you can make up your own. Okay, good. It goes along with the gag and it provides something. But then you get into like, here's Fluffy the cat burglar. She burgles cats and has a cat. Yeah. Okay. What's is the joke that she's a cat burglar that steals cats? Yep. That's the whole joke. That's the whole joke. She's basically a cat woman. And that um, is the most jokey of all of them. Yes, it is. 
There's one called Foam. Uh, he it looks like a sponge, so I guess he's supposed to be like a SpongeBob joke or something. Except this maybe. came out in 2000, and SpongeBob was not particularly that popular at that point. That could well be, but it's not like there's much joke to him. the The gag isn't so much that he's like mega absorbent, or you can squeeze him to get fluids or something. He's just strong. He's just a tanky guy. No, he's just a giant, uh, very hard to damage, immune to fire sponge guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what does he do? Oh, he rampages around, and you'll have to stop him. Is there any joke here? Because I thought initially when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's a big sponge guy. This is going to be a SpongeBob thing. And they're like, no, there's nothing. I thought it might be an Absorbing Man reference because he's, you know, he's a sponge, so he might be absorbent. But he has none of those powers or does anything no, like that. he just has super strength and regenerates from any attack. Um, the ones that are like the, the, the farthest from jokey, there's foam, there's Frank, where the only joke about him is that he has PTSD and that his gun shrinks people and that he really ought to see a shrink. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's a vigilante, and he doesn't have memory of his time, but he left some army base. He has a phobia of people in army camouflage, and he'll freak out and have a problem with it. And it's basically just an entire character where the joke is, haha, this man has PTSD from his time in the military, and he has a shrink gun. Yeah, and he doesn't know why he has a shrink gun, and it's never explained, so the only possible gag reason for why he has that instead of any other gun, I, I assume is just, they were like, we can't have this guy have a real gun. We don't want to have a character with PTSD who's just indiscriminately murdering everyone he comes across. Let's give him a shrink ray. Oh, ha, you get it? Because he should see a shrink? And that, that was it. Yeah, that's the gag. We also have... Straight up just someone from the Legion of Superheroes. We have fucking Bouncing Boy That's in here. That's right. There's just a guy who has, whose power is that he's bouncy because he's fat. So he literally is just Bouncing Boy. Yeah. Like, that gag's old, guys. We, we did that one already. That's... That's not even like a haha, what a funny joke. That's an existing character. That's not a, that, that joke is so old that it has been rehabilitated more than once, where Bouncing Boy has turned into a deadly, serious, important member of the Legion. Yeah, it's like Matter Eater Lad. Yeah. In that, ah, oh, what a funny joke. Except, no, now we've made it so that it actually rules. Yeah, or that, that great webcomic about the Furbolg clown. You know, Slappy the Furbolg clown, where he's like, I pie the, the owl bear. I have 12. You'll see them on my sheet. And then by the end of his campaign, he's like, I've always loved you, Nautica. I knew. I knew the whole. You must go. It's that. It's that. Yeah. It, it, like, Bouncing Boy has gone through that organically over the past 50 years. Yes. So here he is again. They have one that is a robot that his creator died. And so he just was left with whatever the last instructions he had. But I guess the reason he's weird and in this is he kind of has candle wax sort of in him. Yeah, he is. That's Candleman. He's a, he's a supervillain. And his deal is that he is effectively a, a, a shell of translucent wax in a human shape full of yellow gel, uh, gel that's basically candle stuff. And he has holes with the tips of his fingers so he can shoot fire and wax and things. And if you kill him... In, if there's any amount of wax left, he will always reconstitute from that. Yeah. And that's the whole gimmick, which really makes him sound more like just a mid-2000s horror villain. Yeah. I was like, that's just a regular comic book villain. Yeah. I can think of a dozen, off the top of my head, goofier, funny comic book villains that exist than that that seems like a regular-ass one you would see. He seems like genuinely a horror villain. Like... Like a like a House of Wax type of thing. Yeah, I'm like, that is 
normal. That's not even, oh, it's sort of wacky, so we put it here. I'm like, no, that's straight up regular styles. Like, if he had been made out, there's there's certain materials and items that are inherently funny. You know, obviously, you just go where Weird Al went before you. Spatulas, cream pies, bananas, things that start and end with K. These things are funny. But candles are mystical. And Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a weird choice. Again, they also have one that's like, Oh, some doctor got his brain uploaded to a fully plastic robot. And I yeah. thought, oh, it's a plastic surgeon joke. He's he's even called Dr. Plastic. And I kept waiting for them to say, oh, this guy's a surgeon. He's a You get it? He's a plastic surgeon. But he isn't. No, he's, he's not. not a surgeon. He's a generic superhero. His only powers are just that he's a little stronger and tougher than most people. And his only interest is in, he's like, well, I accidentally got uploaded into a plastic body by my also doctor brother, and then he died. So now I'm stuck like this, and and I just want to do good things. So I've been talking to local superheroes about how to be a good hum- hero. Yeah, and I was like, again, that's a regular-ass hero. A dude who accidentally got his brain uploaded to a robot body and is now a hero? There's no joke there. That's, that's just not robot a joke. Man. <laughs> My dude, that's the vision. <laughs> I mean, the vision is way more convoluted, but Ro- but Robot Man is that 100%. I mean, the vision is Wonder Man uploaded to the reconstituted body of the original Human Torch. Yes. And that's what I'm Using saying. Using the memory engrams of Wonder Man, and I think there's he- that, and, that Hank Pym is in there somehow in the mix, too. I mean, later on, but that's only because he used his own mind for Ultron, who created the Vision <laughs> robot, to go after the Avengers, which they then used after Wonder Man died to put his brain inside of it. And so it has a little bit of Ultron, a little bit of Pym, because there's a little bit of Pym in Ultron, and also some Wonder Man. And ultimately, you get a good meal. <laughs> It's got a well-balanced hero meal. Where Cliff the Robot Man is a brain in a robot, and he doesn't want to be. <laughs> and he's a reluctant hero. It's wild, this entire section of, like, NPCs that you could have where 90% of them are not a joke. No, they're just stuff. Like, And they keep trying to write them. And, like, the little paragraph descriptors above them are written as if, like, this is about to be the wackiest thing you ever heard of. This is a cat burglar, and she steals cats and cat-related stuff. And you're like, that's Catwoman. <laughs> but don't, hold on a second. She also goes adventuring with another cat burglar that's also actually a cat. You mean Isis? You mean Isis, Catwoman's cat? <laughs> yeah. The you know what separates them? Uh, she refuses to steal regular jewelry. Jewelry. She only steals cats. And you're like, okay, so she's a shittier Catwoman. Great, good job. You did it. It's so weird. And she's like, she's a villain because she's mad that her parents named her Fluffy. Yes. Like I think that's supposed to be the biggest joke in her is that they they tell you that their names are like Fluffy and Veronica or something, and then they're like, but the human's name is Fluffy. Great. Yeah. Thanks. That's and it's so much of this book is this list of NPCs. Oh yeah, it goes on. And there's <laughs> there are a bunch in there and you know some of them are a little goofy where it's like, "Oh, uh we have a guy who uh managed to punch a hole into another reality where his favorite cartoon dog actually exists." Oh yeah. And now he's friends with that cartoon dog and it runs around and it's fine. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, they did that in Invincible, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically just underdog. Like, the only thing statted out is the dog. So it's just a cartoon dog that's running around in the regular reality. Also, the cartoon dog has a bite that does more damage than anything has ever done in any game. Because <laughs> its bite is like, oh, it'll, like, 
punch you and it does like 4d6 damage and its bite is like 10d6 times 100. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> Let's just go through the last couple of these real quick. There's lights out. He's a dude whose power is that he can say lights out and either turn himself invisible or someone else invisible for a couple of minutes. And he can get away from stuff when that happens. But he's actually a cat. I think his gimmick, first of all, yes, his gimmick is that he's an alien who looks exactly like a cat. Yep. Uh, but he uses shape-shifting to never look like a cat, which pretty much ruins that joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he says lights out all the time. He's always saying his own name. Uh, there's Mannequin, uh, uh, just a super god. He's basically a mezo. And that's it. There's no joke there. Nope. Uh, there's Gasser. He is a guy who runs around with gas we- weapons and, sh- and shoots gas at people. And gas is funny because farts. I guess. There's Razorfish, who's a guy who accidentally got put into the body of a, f- a finless flying piranha sort of thing. He has an artifact where a shaman possesses his body and occasionally turns him into a piranha. His main personality does not know he turns into a piranha, and the piranha doesn't know anything about him, so he's a supervillain because he occasionally turns into a giant flying piranha. Yes. That's, again, not really a joke thing. There's no, like, ha-ha, you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, That's sure. fine. No, it's a little convoluted, but I can see Doom Patrol fighting that. Yeah. That's fine. It's, like, less funny than the butts, but sure. Yeah. That's, uh, okay, I get it. Great. Uh... <laughs> There's Slappy. Slappy, finally one that you're like, oh, it's a guy who had his hands turned leathery and now he slaps people. Or pushes them over. He has those two attacks. His two powers are slapping and pushing. And I'm like, all right, at least that's a gag. He's also like one of three Joker pastiches in this book. There's a lot of yuck up things in here because they're like, what's a joke? Throwing pies at people. I've literally only ever watched the Three Stooges in my entire life, and that's the only joke I know. And then there's Slug, which I swear is just based on some old riffs art that didn't get used. Yes. Because he's like a cool alien pilot riding in a biomechanical slug beast, and they were like, wouldn't it be funny if it was everyone just thought he was a big slug? But he's not. He's like a little gray alien guy inside there. Yeah. Like, he like rides it. Okay, but it... Is it like, oh, but the slug can only go, like, one mile an hour, it's very slow, but he's still a hero? Oh, no, it goes very fast, don't worry. <laughs> it can, like, fly and stuff. It's like that racing snail from Never Ending Story. <laughs> and then I think it ends on Squish. And Squish is just a girl or woman superhero who has water... She's, like, a hardware expert. She's Pace expert. Pot Pete. She's Pace Pot Pete. She has water balloons full of, full of glue that she can throw, and she also has a spray she can put on her own hands that makes her immune to the stickiness effect. Yeah, so her outfit makes it so that she can't get stuck by it, but when she throws it at other people, they get stuck, and she's just fucking Pace Pot Pete. Yeah. Now, in the interest of rolling this along, there's a section for defects for superpowers, which is just a big list of most of the superpowers from Heroes Unlimited, and what wacky thing might go wrong. Yeah. If you want there to be some drawbacks to your superpowers... Here's some ways that they might be bad. Mm-hmm. If you've got the ability to project holographic images, maybe you unconsciously project the image of a middle finger when you're angry at someone. <laughs> like, okay. Or maybe I just do that anyway because it would be fun in my game. Yeah. Radar? Perhaps If you have radar powers, perhaps you're colorblind and have a phobia requiring you to wear glasses. I think my favorite thing here is that some of them, because they were just trying to get through the entire list, just say, oh, this will have the same defects as some other power. Just go look at that one. 
We yep. we don't have enough time to do all of these. There's not enough time for individual gags. I I can't imagine a joke book that's just like, hey, why did the uh, why did the duck cross the road? See page two for why did the chicken cross the road? Replace chicken with duck. <laughs> Same concept. Same basic. You get the concept, but it still fills the page space. <laughs> See also when we're gonna get to page sixty two. Why did the turkey cross the road? See, we're gonna. It's fine. Just check here. Back here. Just come back to here. And even then, some of the defects are just like. Oh, but what if it was bad? It's not like jokily bad. Like, oh, you lose control of your power. Sometimes it's just like, oh, maybe you fuck up for a D4 minutes. And you're like, okay. That was the adhesion power, for example, which normally is just wall crawling for Spider-Mans, right? Yeah. But here it's like, you know, every time you stick to something, there's a 30% chance you'll get stuck to it for 1D6 hours. Or maybe you leave a trail of a trail of sticky slime behind you on a 20% chance. I'm like... Okay. All right. Sure. So it's just a, a terrible weakness. Okay. And some of them are like very obvious tropes. Like the super strength one is just per, maybe you're super gentle around kids. Like, yeah, you mean like if I were super strong, I would be? Yeah. That's not, that's not like a weird quirk I would have. <laughs> yeah. I would just go, oh, I'm Superman. And obviously I will treat children very carefully because. I'm fucking Superman. Yeah, and even then, that trope of being the biggest person on the team and also being the one who's the biggest softy around little kids and animals and stuff is a very regular trope. Yo, shit, man, that's Frankenstein. That's the thing. That's Frankenstein. That's strong guy. Take your pick. It's everyone but Beast, because he's a fucking asshole. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> anyway, beyond that, we get to a list of gods, which I barely even want to talk about. Yeah, it's... Oh, look at this list of unusual gods. And the first one is sort of okay in that they're like, oh, it's someone who wanted to be a god of war but sucked at fighting, but he kept fighting everyone, so they made him the god of lost causes. And then they put in his stat block, and he's like an incredibly dangerous, powerful fighter because they're like, well, he's still a god. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. We can't make a wacky goof-em-up character with a low-rolled or bonus-to-strike parry and dodge. No, He's good at fighting. He's just not as good at fighting as Ares is. And you're like, okay. And then you've got the god of uh, cooking. Plank, cooking. That's bad at cooking. She's bad at cooking main courses because she tries too hard, but she makes amazing desserts. Well, she makes amazing normal foods, but she's always experimenting, and all of her experiments turn out weird and oily. There's a god that's basically just Loki. He's like the god of practical jokes, and his biggest gimmick is that his name is Backsmack. Yeah. And not, he's not just the god of tricks and backstabbing, he's also the god of teenagers, because he'll talk back to you. Teenagers, am I right? I'm probably 50. <laughs> I am 50 or 60 years old, <laughs> and I do not care for teenagers. <laughs> so, so, yeah, they're they're boring. And then, finally, we get to a couple of like actual playable things for Rifts. We've added two new OCCs, playable in... Heroes Unlimited, Beyond the Supernatural, not Heroes Unlimited. I mean, mostly it's Rifts or Palladium Fantasy. Yes. I mean, I'm sure you could add them to Beyond the Supernatural and Ninjas and Super Spies, but why would you? Well, you wouldn't add it to Beyond the Supernatural because regular ass for real magic isn't really a thing there. (laughs) Because that's fair. I guess, but you could put it in Nightbane, all right? Great. Okay? Okay? I don't know why you would, but you you could put them in System Shock. (laughs) No, you definitely wouldn't. (laughs) Magic doesn't exist there. It does now. The mechanoids brought it. <laughs> mechanoids showed up and they had card tricks. Also, they taught all the magic to the Macross games, too. <laughs> Which is a tro- serious question and answer in the QA section. Oh, yeah. About the fucking EDS or the uh, 
what is it? The, the, the SDF one. SDF. Who would win in a fight between the SDF one and like a Splugorth or something? Like Splu, and, and they're like, it's the SDF one because it's cannon doesn't do damage. It just does like fiat destruction. Thank you for asking. All right, let's move on to the next question. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. But okay, the two co- classes are the card mage, the and trickster the, mage, trickster mage, and the ludicrous mage. Yes. So the trickster mage is the joke about like, oh, it's it's a you know, spellcaster, but all of his shit is sleight of hand card tricks, but now they're spells. Yes, and they don't get good until they're really high levels. Yeah, the, I mean, all of your initial spells, like the first few levels of spells are things like, you can make it so that a card floats. You're like, oh, you mean like how a magician makes it look like a card is floating? Yes. Yeah. You can count cards as a spell. Yeah. You can palm cards as a spell. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, and it works exactly like the skill, yes, but it only works on cards, whereas the skill works on anything. Like, it takes a really long time for them to get good. It's hilarious. No, all of their initial things are stuff you could normally do, but now you pay PPE to do it. I think my favorite is the one that costs, like, it's it's 6 PPE, or no, it's 9 PPE or 18 PPE if you want it to be permanent, which is cleaning a deck of cards. And you have to do them one card at a time. You can take this old dirty deck and one by one you can wipe them clean. And now it's a clean deck of cards. Yeah, if you've got a marked deck or one that's like dog-eared or fucked up, you're like, you can cast this spell and make it so it's a nice, pristine, almost new deck. Or you could cast any of the other spells that just generate a deck of cards. Well, one of the later spells you can get is create deck of cards. And that has three different modes of either last for 30 minutes, last for an hour per level, or be permanent. Yeah. But if you make it permanent, it costs you like 50 PPE. What are we which doing? Which is like all of it. Half the tricks I watch on that uh, that Penn and Teller uh, Fool Us show involve people bringing out like a pallet full of cards and dumping them on the table to have a random one selected for the whole gimmick to work. Yeah. Like, what are we doing with this whole like, oh, you want a deck of cards? That's 50 PPE. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, as well. You toad. They're all just trash until you get to the later levels because, again, they're like, I have a spell called pick a card, any card, and it lets me find a card you picked in a deck. I'm like, okay, great. You know, you can also just make a stage magician with Heroes Unlimited and have all this stuff. Yeah, is like but your that's baseline. the joke. I get yeah. it. No, I get it. But at the high levels, it starts to get like, it would be cooler if it was a superhero. Like, if you had a card magic themed superhero, the high level powers would be what they did. Like, if Zatanna did card stuff, where you can throw them out into the air and have them hover and work as a ladder, you can go yeah, up. You can do that, you know, when you... uh, fan cards out and they do that whole like oh there's a whole huge ridge of cards okay but now you turn it into a buzzsaw and throw it at someone Yeah, you can throw card buzzsaws you can fan them out and use those as actual metal fans to block uh, sword attacks and stuff with and of course the it only goes up to eighth level spells which is hilarious but the eighth level only one spell there is you can summon stuff from cards. Yeah, and someone had just read some Justice League shit that had the, uh, the, the, what do they call it, the Royal Flush Gang in it, because it just summons a bunch of people, the dork people with, yeah, with the boring two through, powers. The two through ten cards are all like, oh, if it's red, you shoot a fire bolt. If it's black, you shoot a lightning bolt. Yeah. Whatever, who cares? But then all of the face cards are. You summon a jack, and he can do 1d6 damage on an attack, and he has four attacks and 20 MDC, and you're like, why would I do that? This cost me so much PPE. It's a legendary spell. No, it's 8th level. Oh, is it not the legendary The legendary spell is House of Cards, where you can make a house out of cards. Yes. And they have stats for, and it just gets too, like, specific, where it's like, not only do they have stats for the kings, queens, jacks, 
the aces, all four of them, all four aces have their own special character they summon. And then also, because they don't want this class to be powerful or anything, you don't get the regular wizard spells beyond second level. You get a couple of first and second level regular wizard spells. And then because wizards in rifts can be taught other spells, they were like, also, you can't be taught anything past level two unless it's specifically an illusion or trickery spell. So if you get a spell from higher than level two, it has to be doing an illusion or making like a cloud or something, but it cannot have a combat application. Part of me is like, all right, this is actually an okay gag because it's like, what if a wizard or, or what if a magician needed to be statted out using Rift's magic OCC rules? Yes, I I but was like, oh, they I lose get the, the gag. gag around six level where the, they, the card magic starts having real power effects on it instead. They also do basically the same spell five times because it's like, oh, at level two, you can do flick cards. At level three, you get fling cards. At level six, you get iron cards that you throw at people. And I'm like, yeah. God damn it. It's it the same in, fucking thing. Yeah, it culminates in the buzzsaw one. This really should have been a major superpower and they should have just kept it being Heroes Unlimited. And then the other one is the ludicrous mage, and that is, what if you were a jester, but a wizard, and an assassin, but were bad at assassinating people? Yeah, like the gimmick behind them is that the first one ever was an assassin who was bad at assassinating people, and he decided that his best way to assassinate a target was to make them laugh themselves to death. And so he decided to, in to invent the school of funny magic, which is magic, but funny. Uh, and use that to kill people. And then that story ends, so we don't know if he ever did or not. And um, then you it works just like the card mage, where you can only get up to, like, third-level wizard spells in this case. And all the spells are just things like, you know, give someone a big clown nose. Yeah. Something smells stinky. Yeah, it's just, ah, uh, you do clown stuff instead of, like, stage magician stuff. So each of them are other versions of people that do magic so it's like oh what's a ludicrous mage spell never ending handkerchiefs all right cool got it you got me i got it yep. you you do clown stuff see the thing about this is i in the case of the card the, the trickster wizard who uses card magic i'm surprised they aren't just called card wizards but but uh, in case of the trickster wizard you get it up until about level six you're looking at the, the spells and they're just things like shuffle deck produce deck of cards palm card and you're like oh okay this is just card tricks but they've statted them out like spells. Yeah, the joke is, ha, we're going to make you pay, like, your magic points in order to do a thing you would normally just be able to do. Yeah, and then when you get past that, they, like, forget, and seventh level on, it's just like, oh, no, you can make a razor blade bu uh, buzzsaw out of cards and fling it through the side of a tank. Yeah. And you can you can turn cards into fire and shoot that at people. You can create a rotating shield of cards like a Mega Man leaf shield. You have all these cool powers. You're like, this, they don't, they don't marry together. It feels like you're like, oh, I get the joke. Oh, no, it's not a joke. Wait, you just had low-level card powers be bad because you think low-level spells should be bad. Yeah. And, and the trickster wizard works the same, or the ludicrous wizard works the same way. Yeah, but at least that has the background story of, oh, you're supposed to be an assassin with it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you're going to have some things where it's like, oh, you throw a cream pie at someone, but it's actually acid. It melts their face. Yeah. And so the joke is going to be, oh, you look like a clown, but you're incredibly deadly. Except, no, the joke is you look like a clown and you do normal clown stuff until you, again, reach like 7th or 8th level spells, and then it's just, 
ah, and now you can make a balloon animal, but it's an actual animal and it fights for you. Yeah, like you do technically get an acid spray because you get the Joker flower at a fairly low level. Yeah, yeah and it, you can decide if it's acid or piss. Yeah, you can use it to pee on people. Uh, it's piss. It's like the second or third pee joke in the book, too, because there's also in the Q&A section, there's a question for, what happens if I pee on a vampire in Rift's Earth? They're like, no, the whole point is that water is pure and moving. If you pee on them, you'll piss them off. Anyway, that is the end. No jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Don't pee on them unless you have incredibly pure pee. (laughs) If you can pee pure water, then great. Yeah, pure ocean water. (laughs) The only only spell I really liked out of the Ludicrous Mage was Funny Monster which is a mind-affecting spell you cast on someone when they see a monster, and all they can see the monster as is hilarious. Yeah, it's a goofy version of whatever. So you're like, oh, you know, some demon or whatever that has a horror factor, you go, oh, I cast this, and now everyone who's fighting it is unaffected by the horror factor because they just see it as like a goofy cartoon version of itself. Yes, and they will not, they won't, they'll suffer damage from it. They'll get eaten by it, whatever. They'll just think it's all hilarious. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that actually works. That's a great assassination tool to be like, I'm not going to kill you, but this Dybbuk is going to get you. Because remember, in on in Rift's Earth, a Dybbuk is not like the a, a, an angry ghost from your family. No, like it's, it a, is in it's the play. a demon with four arms. Yeah, like it is in the play, the Dybbuk. <laughs> It's an angry demon with with two sets of equal or, of mismatched size arms. Yeah, uh, it, but in this case, you just make everyone think that's hilarious, like the play the Dybbuk, which of course is a very serious play and not hilarious. <laughs> yeah, at all. I cast a spell to make everyone think the play the Dybbuk is hilarious. <laughs> I'm an asshole. <laughs> that would really ruin a production. I mean, if I if I was going to be a ludicrous wizard, that is what I would use it for. I oh. go to production of the Dybbuk and be <laughs> that's like, the only thing I do ruin that. <laughs> Uh, pl- sorry, I don't know how it came over me with that. By the way, both of these classes also get a horror factor equivalent themselves. One of them gets an amazement factor, the other one a humor factor. Yeah, you get entertainment factor. That's what it is. And the humor factor, which is both basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one of these in the book, because the section after these two OCCs is the uh, just a little magic item section. Yep. And one of them is a chainmail bikini type gimmick, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it gives the wielder, if female, a humana humana factor. Now, it this looks is like horror factor, uh, but upon seeing a beautiful woman wearing a runic bikini, the opposite sex must roll to save versus hormone overload. This is, I'm not shitting you, the fifth use of opposite sex in this book. This book fails that test harder than any book. I have ever read. And it's not over. This one section on the runic bikini has a part for what happens if other women see you in the runic bikini. Oh, also, this is only applicable to hot mamas with a physical beauty of 12 or higher. Hmm, That's nice that it's 12. Usually, and you'll see it in the next one, the boot one, uh, that requires a PB of 18 or higher for this to work on anything. Because they're always like, you've got to be the hottest human possible to count as hot at all in in Palladium games. Uh, but, but anyway, if, if you're in the bikini and another woman sees you, you get a minus 50% chance to charm or impress them because they're grumpier in a bikini, I guess, unless they are lesbian. It says thinking lesbians an adjective, I guess. Yeah. Oh man, I'm feeling real lesbian today, (laughs) man. I feel like lesbian. (laughs) Hey, you, I want to get some food. You feeling like lesbian? (laughs) Too much sugar, you know. <laughs> I can't eat lesbian. I'm on a diet. 
Also, in addition to the humana humana factor, it also has a horror factor if you wear this bikini and you're ugly. If you're not pretty and you wear a bikini, people run away from you screaming. Hmm. Thanks, Thanks, Rifter. Thank you. Thank, thanks for that. I mean, it's not like we haven't read other games that did that, but usually they're from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> they have another OCC of the tourist. This one makes me a little grumpy because on the back of the book, it's listed as one of the big features you'll find in here. The tourist OCC and its related powers. The back of the book doesn't tell you it's not playable. No. It is for NPCs. Yes. Uh, and it's mostly just a hilarious joke about tourists. About what tourists are like. They basically are people you'll have show up to any adventure anywhere you are and be annoying tourists. Like uh, They all have mat... I don't know why they bothered doing it this way. Uh, they they have magic items that represent... I, I assume it's just because they wanted to write the gags about what constitutes a joke about tourists from an 80s yeah. movie. All of them have Bermuda shorts and Hawaiian shirts that count as magical armor with 300 mega damage. And, and it doesn't matter. They can't die. They can't even take damage. <laughs> They, they instead their tour guides die and everything explodes around them and they're always fine. That's the joke. But then we're like, yeah, but they have Bermuda shorts that give them 300 MDC. Why? Well, it's so we can write this joke that says they either have shitty pale legs, shitty slightly tanned legs, or if they're Pacific, they're they're Pacific. If their physical beauty is 18 or higher, shapely tan legs. Yep. Oh, and if they're a female, and then only will be noticed by a member of the opposite sex. <laughs> Unless they have come down with a bad case of lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> if you're suffering from lesbian, <laughs> contact your doctor. Uh, <sighs> so, so it, it's just annoying. It, it, all their, their gear, the stuff on them is super powerful, and I think it's just so you can take it from them. No, I think it's just, and then they leave with it. Yeah. Because they also, one of their items is the return ticket home. Yeah. And if at any point they're threatened, they can just use that to teleport where they were from. Yeah, but they also have like a passport that it, that only helps if you happen to get their traveler's checks away from them. And it's it's all just jokes about, about how uh, tourists are annoying and take lots of pictures and are confused. They come in a variety of types, but all those types are just the kind of people you wouldn't want to go on a vacation with. So it's just that gag. Yeah. Oh, they've, we've got the different types in their powers. So you can have the one that's always taking a lot of pictures, the one that's always wandering away from the group, mm -hmm. the Swedish chef for some reason. <laughs> yeah. The one that's taking a lot of pictures, you can tell they were like trying to try really hard not to write down some eighties gag. They were like, yep. You, they're like, oh, I, I've written and deleted Japanese like 16. <laughs> Kevin, you got to let me. And he's like, I've been in so much trouble recently. I cannot allow that. But I want you to know I want it in there. <laughs> but I want you to know I like it. <laughs> uh, and then there's a story at the very end, and I didn't read it. I did. Would, you like, would you like an update on what's in it? Sure. It's a, it's a honestly fairly serious story. I'm not sure what it's doing here. It's a short story about basically uh, boot camp for dog boys. Uh-huh. And so the major character is Sergeant Brick, and he's a dog boy, and he's a little boxer, and he is a, an ultra-mega badass, and the rest of his dog boys are just raw recruits, and he's basically, they're just doing a... Uh, a Howling Commandos? 
Because they're howling? Because they're dogs? No, no. They're, they're doing a full metal jacket, the first part. Aw, boo. It's just that. I was hoping it was going to be howling commandos. So it's, yeah, it's just him insulting them, but instead of all the, the gay stuff, he's just doing dog jokes where he's like, are you, I've never seen such a sorry lot of puppies. You all stop wagging your tails. You're kittens to me. That kind of thing. So it's just, imagine oh, Arlie Ermey wasting his jokes. time. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's just that. And then he... It, it, it's just a, it's like six pages. Yeah, it's, it's a not, long story. And it's not just him insulting them for a little while, like doing that scene. Like we go through all of their basic training. We have NPC extra characters that come up. They're like dog boy soldiers that work for Brick. There's a part where the dog boy is like one of them wants to fight him and he beats the, this guy up and it gets all pathos driven. And he just they have like the conversations about him where they're like, why is he so mean to us? Well, I think maybe he knows things that we don't know and we need to. And then it cuts over to his barracks and he's like. I, it's a shame to see these boys be so terrible because pretty soon I got to ship them off to Tolkien. And if they don't impart the, if I don't impart these lessons to them, they're just dead. And it's just deadly serious. And it ends with him having to, uh, they, they're like, Sarge, we, we think you always make us do stuff when you never have to do anything. And he's like, fucking show up tomorrow at 6 a.m. and bring your paintball guns. Cause that's how they train. They use paintball guns. Yeah. And, um, he's like, I'm going to have to run the gauntlet. I'm always shooting you guys when you fail at. All of you can shoot me throughout the whole thing. You can go anywhere you want. Stand out there in the forest. You can shoot me if you see me. Also, I get to shoot you. And if I shoot you with a paintball gun, you have to sit down and be quiet. And then one of them sneaks a real bomb into the the fake explosions that are supposed to happen throughout the course. Yeah. And they all think they killed him when it goes off. And then there's a whole big accusation scene where, it, where all of them, we've learned about these characters over time. Which one of them set the bomb and why? It's a, it's a character named Stinky. Because they all have dog names. Yeah. Um, and then right as they're all like st- threatening that they're going to tear Stinky apart because ultimately Stinky just brought them all down for sure because the coalition is not going to accept a bunch of dog boys killing their, their commanding officer. They're just going to get sent to Lone Star for experimentation. Fuck you, Stinky. We're going to rip you apart. Right before they do, Brick shows up all beat up and blown up from the bomb. And he's like, nope, not, not, don't you do that now. You all go run laps. I'm going to deal with Stinky myself. And he's like, you all tried to kill me. I'm gonna. You're just going to run laps the rest of the day. Stinky, come here. And then the story's over. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now I'm sad I skipped it. Because what the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it's here. That, again, like so much in this feels like, oh, someone had written this a while ago and they never had a place to put it. Yeah, and then we end on a little one note from, there's a picture of a frog for some reason, it's just art, I, I don't know what the frog's doing there, and there's a, a, a letter from Simbita himself saying like, hey, just so you know, this was a big ol' April Fool's, none of this was real, I'm and like, then a, a one paragraph part where he explains who the joke was <laughs> at the expense of, and talks about how he like, thought about contacting Wayne Smith's mom, but was worried that, that Wayne would get wind of it. Yeah. So, and then it's over. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's the uh, April Fool's joke. That's the whole thing. Also, this book does not exist. <laughs> we made it up. That's right. Uh-huh. Not a whole thing you could find. Doesn't nope. exist. Nope. Uh, no, if you happen to, for example, try to eBay the Rifter 9.5 and, and find lots of copies, that's all us. Yeah, we yeah. really went whole hog yeah. this year. We, we put a lot of effort into it. This is our big April Fool's gag. Not we a real we actually contact Kevin Simbeda uh-huh. and said, hey, can we, uh, on your website, make it look like this exists mm. if you look for information? And he was more than happy to help. We even had him print up a bunch of copies. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> We had him print up a bunch of copies about 23 years ago. No, we just did a lot of work to make them look like they're 23 years old. Yeah. 
it was my idea to put the opposite sex thing in there so many times because no one would suspect me of doing that. <laughs> no one would suspect. It's the perfect crime. Look, we get it. <laughs> so anyway, that's been the review of, as far, as far as I'm aware, the only published April Fool's joke RPG supplement or book of any kind. Yep. Interesting to see. Interesting to see. A fascinating dive into a bit of old history. Yep. And uh, hey, why don't you come support us on Patreon now? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. We're definitely going to make characters, and I think we're going to have to use shit from this book. We sure are. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm enforcing this one. So come on over to patreon.com slash systemmastery. You can support us at any level to unlock bonus content. You also get ad-free versions of all of our shows, and you get a whole bunch of access to things on our Discord. It's real great, and we will be making characters using the Rifter 9.5. Yeah. So that's a thing you can find. Yeah, if you've ever wondered. If you've ever wondered what if we had to make shitty joke characters from a, a shitty joke supplement. From a book we made up. <laughs> definitely made this up. Uh-huh. Then that's for you. And of course, there's multiple levels you can get it. Uh, baseline is $2 a month. You can go to $4. There's multiple levels I can get it. <laughs> I get it on multiple levels. <laughs> $2 a month unlocks not only ad-free versions of all of our baseline shows, including this one. As I said. I know. I'm sorry. I, don't mean, I didn't mean to take over from the beginning. I just thought you might like me to talk for a little no, I while. I just thought you might like me to say all the things you just said. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Jeff. <laughs> that's right. One thing in this book, no, oh, sorry. No, one thing. $4 level will unlock the Star Wars Expounded Universe bonus content where we go find things on Wikipedia. $10 level will get you the Afterthought and the TV Mastery, which is just so many shows. It's delightful. It's a ton of content. And it helps us. It lets us keep doing what we're doing and bringing content to you for the fucking 10 years that we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. And... Even if you can't help us monetarily, we appreciate anything you can do to help get the show out there. So rate it, review it, give it five stars wherever you listen to, leave a force copy. it on to someone else. Yeah, leave a copy of one of those take a book, leave a book things on your street somehow. Burn it to a CD somehow there and then put that CD in your library CD collection. <laughs> Especially if you work at the Library of Congress. If you work at the Library of Congress, please take all of our many episodes, transcribe them, mm -hmm. put them in a book, and put them in the Library of Congress. I mean, fun story, all of our books that we've written so far are already in the Library of Congress. Yeah, but I want all, all of our podcasts to be in the <laughs> Library of Congress. Partially because the company submits them, and partially because I have a friend at the Library of Congress. Not anymore, you no, don't. No, she, yeah, she's she's left. But by the time, but the books that she, we wrote while she was there, I sent to her, and she she put them in the library for me. Great. Yeah. All right. So hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the bonus content if you're a two dollar patron or higher. Otherwise, I hope you all have a good week and happy April Fools. This book does not exist. Mm -hmm.